Hello, Real Life Families. Pastor Tim with you today, and I want to talk about faith. We were doing a series recently on living by faith, and I uh, just want to wrap that series up with one more message. And today's message is entitled, Faith Acts. When you have faith, it moves you to action. And uh, it releases um, just that confidence and, and conviction that God has put in our heart to move forward, believing that God is with us, God is in it, and God's going to do it. God's going to show up. So let's talk about faith today. And uh, I want to just do a little quick review of the previous series that we, we did here recently called Living by Faith. In the first week, we talked about how faith sees differently. Faith sees what God sees. And um, there is a verse that I remember sharing here. I got my old notes here. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, uh, what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And faith is seen through God's perspective. Uh, oftentimes we're relying on our natural senses, aren't we? We feel, we touch, we, we sense, we see, we hear, and we're all kind of captivated by this physical world and the circumstances in front of us. And uh, the weather and the temperature and the, the things that we see, the, the people that are around us, and, and we're, we're just captivated by all these physical realities. But there's a higher reality at play, and it's in the spiritual realm. And we want to see faith sees differently beyond the physical into the spiritual truths. The Bible says don't focus on what is seen, focus on what is unseen. These are the things that are eternal. And God is unseen. He is a spirit, right? And so the, the Bible tells us, and Jesus tells us, have faith in God. Even though you can't see him, believe in him because the spiritual realm is what created the physical realm. So all the authority is really in the spiritual realm. And so Jesus said, pray this way, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And so to pull, faith pulls the will of God out of the spiritual realm, out of the invisible realm, into the physical, visible realm. And so we do not focus or <clears throat> create our beliefs based on what we see with our physical eyes but what we see with our spiritual eyes. So faith sees differently. So let's begin to look at our life and our situations and our circumstances through the eyes of God. How does God see those things? Okay. All right. So the second, to the second topic we talked about is that faith thinks differently. And again, I picked out one or two verses, just a quick review on that. Faith thinks like God thinks. Faith is not thinking about situations based on our own understanding or based on our own knowledge or what uh, the opinion is of the, the masses. But faith is focused on what God thinks and faith believes or agrees with God. Faith comes, the Bible says, from hearing the word of God. When we hear the word of God and we agree with it, um, then there is an amen that arises within our spirit and we are being conformed or our minds are being changed to be like God's. And so we begin to think like God thinks. That's what faith does. Faith is relying 
on what God says is going to happen, what God promises he will do, or what God says is the truth. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and, uh, and 5 says this, the weapons we fight with in this life are not the weapons of the world. They're not physical. They're not carnal. They're spiritual. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And these strongholds are our thoughts. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's just be honest. A lot of our opinions, a lot of our thoughts, a, a lot of uh, our ways of doing things are not in alignment with God's. They're based on some other experiences that we've had or someone else telling us something or something that we read. But our minds, the Bible says, God says to us that we need to renew our minds by being transformed and changed with the Word of God. And so every thought, every opinion, every argument in my head that is against what God's Word says needs to be wrestled to the ground, to the mat, and pinned and changed. And the good news that I shared with you several weeks ago is that you can change your mind, right? Our thoughts are real and uh, they actually exist. There are proteins that form these thoughts in our brain and our mind can go to our brain and change it if we choose to. And so the challenge of scripture is for us to be completely redeemed and renewed in our thinking so that we think like God. And when we take God's word and we apply it to any thoughts that are contrary to God's truth, we can literally destroy that thought, break it down, and rebuild it in God's ways and in God's truth. So faith is doing that. That's why it's so important for us to daily saturate our thoughts and our mind and our hearts with the Word of God and get it planted into us and let the Word of God break down and challenge every other thought that's contrary to God's truth and God's ways. So we, faith, comes when we begin to agree with God's Word and we start to think differently. We see differently, we begin to think differently. And then finally, I also spoke about how faith speaks Faith can't help itself. Once there's faith, it is talking. All right? And so when you start to talk, listen to what you're saying. Are you speaking things that are coming out of faith? Or are you speaking things that are coming out of fear? Because the Bible says whatever is coming out of our mouth is coming from the overflow of our heart. It says here in Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart, stored up in his heart. And then Jesus makes this conclusion. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And we want our hearts filled with faith. We want to trust in God. And when we do, like I said earlier, there's an amen that arises. There's a, I believe it, I agree with it, let it be. And we begin to say it out loud. We begin to agree with God out loud. We begin to speak His words, His promises, His perspectives, His ways out loud, out of our mouth. And the Word of God is not primarily meant to be read. It is primarily created to be spoken. God spoke His Word and He gave His Word to us so that we might also speak it out loud. We are taking God's breath and God's Word 
to speak it out loud, to release that power to see God's will happen. Jesus said, speak this out, pray this out. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speak it out. And so faith always speaks and it speaks the overflow of the heart. Now today, to wrap everything up, I have one more message here on faith in this series. And it is this, that faith acts. When you have these other ingredients in place and you begin to see what God sees, you begin to think like God thinks, you begin to speak what God, God's word says and you're agreeing with it, then there is action. There's actually action. We actually live out this thing called faith. We take action because we think like God. We see what God is saying and, and we, we agree with him and we can't help ourselves. And so then our life is being filled with faith-filled activity and it makes a difference. It has an impact in our life. It has an impact in the people around us. It has an impact in the world that we live in. So I want to challenge you to live by faith. The Bible says in Romans that the righteous live by faith. There's two different things that I've, I've, I've spoken about that. One meaning is that, of course, we come alive when we're made righteous, when we're forgiven of our sins by placing our faith in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, that faith in Jesus causes us to be made righteous and we come alive. We're born again. But also as we continue in our journey with God, we continue to live or experience life by faith. We don't start to work it out on our own. We don't start to get really religious. We still are trusting in God, living in that faith-filled relationship with Him. And that's how we prosper in life, because He fills us with His thoughts. He guides us, right? He gives us the power. And so it's all by faith. From first to last, our, our beginning is in faith, the middle's in faith, and the end is in faith. And Jesus is, the Bible says, we need to keep our eyes on him, fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author, the beginner, and the finisher of our faith. So it's all about a relationship with Jesus, trusting in him with every situation in our life from now until he comes again. And so let's live by faith. Let's put our eyes on Jesus. And today I want to summarize all these points with one of the most famous and one of my favorite stories in the Bible, David against Goliath, right? We all know this story, but I just want to point out to you how this is a great story illustrating all four of these areas of faith that David sees differently um, and then he thinks differently. He speaks out of faith and he acts out of faith. And it's a great model for us no matter what our giant is, no matter what insurmountable situation that we're facing, no matter what the circumstances are in our life, we can model our life after this story and choose to live by faith. So let's talk about the story real quick. First of all, to set the tone, David was a shepherd. He was uh, one of, I think, eight, eight, eight sons of Jesse. And his older brothers were at the battle line having a little face-off with the Philistines. And uh, the, Philistines, the Philistine army uh, was on one side on a mountain, and the Israelite army was on another side on another mountain. And there was a valley between them. And they were all kind of, you know, getting themselves pumped up to have this battle. 
And what began to start happening was Goliath, which was the champion of the Philistines, was an enormous warrior, a huge person, a powerful man, an accomplished champion, came down in the valley and he was taunting the Israelite army. He was smack-talking them and he was, he was bullying them. And he's like, you send your best guy down here and face me and whoever wins, wins. Right? If I win, you guys all belong to us. And if, they, if you, your man wins, we all belong to you. Let's go. Come on. Let's have it on. And he's doing this morning and night for 40 days. For 40 days. And the reason why no Israelite guy went down there is because the Bible tells us Goliath was a monster of a man. He was a giant. Uh, when we calculate out his height, it comes to about nine and a half feet tall. That means if he's standing on our basketball court, his head is touching the net. That's, that's how tall he is. He could probably put an apple in his mouth and jump up and dunk the apple with his mouth. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anybody that tall. You probably haven't either. But he was a giant, and he wasn't just a skinny little stick and stone kind of guy. He was a warrior. So he must have weighed like probably 500 pounds. And... Uh, it tells us some, the weight of his spear. It tells us about his armor. It tells us he even had an armor bearer that went before him. And he was just a giant person, giant intimidating person. And so that's the scene. And Jesse, the father of David and his other sons, uh, sent his son David to go and take some refreshments, some food and supplies to his brothers and to um, you know, the commanders of their unit. And so David is going on assignment for his dad to check in on everybody and see how they're doing. And the Bible says here, I'm just going to read parts of this. Um, it says here that when David came early in the morning, David left the flock. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He left the flock in care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. The Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Did you hear that? All the Israelites saw Goliath, and when they saw him, they ran. They ran in fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter's daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. So David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? and removes the disgrace from Israel. And listen to David's perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this punk, <laughs> right? Who is this punk who is defying the armies of the living God? goes on to say, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said and asked, Why have you come down here? 
With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What are you doing here, young bro? You're too young for this. You're just a kid. What are you doing around here? Poking your nose into our business, right? Trying to see what's going on. I know what you're up to. And he's just discrediting David, cutting him down, trying to put him in his place. You don't belong here. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you talking about over here? You know? And so then 20, in verse 29, David says, Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? <laughs> he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. First point I want to make is, faith sees what God sees. And the Israelites were seen with their eyes of flesh. They saw from their own perspective, not God's. The verse I read there, 1 Samuel 17, verse 24, Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. What were they looking at? Goliath. <laughs> they were staring at this giant physical specimen of a champion. And when they saw him, they were looking through their eyes of flesh. They were looking at themselves, looking at the giant, comparing their height, looking at his muscles, and they, they did this physical comparison. They were looking at things through physical eyes, through their own eyes, through their own perspective, and they fell far short of the challenge. And because of that, they were filled with fear and ran. But David was not looking through the eyes of flesh at all. He had faith. Listen to this verse. I've already read it, but it's uh, verse 26. David saw through the eyes of faith. He saw through God's perspective, not his. It says this, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who's David thinking about right now? He's thinking about God. How big God is. Not how small he is. He's like, who, is, who does this guy think he is? He's going up against God Almighty. And then big brother Eliab says, who do you think? Now, Eliab's again, looking at the eyes of flesh. What are you doing here, little bro? You know, you don't belong here. You're just a scrawny little kid. You're a little teenager. What do you think you're doing trying to get, find out what's happening over here? You know, and he's criticizing David. He was looking at his stature, that he was young, that he was unqualified, that he wasn't a warrior. He had no business being over here at the battle line especially at the front lines, looking at what's going on. You know, he's small. He's looking around, trying to figure out what's happening. But David is looking at the bigness of God. Everybody else is looking at the bigness of the giant. And David, instead of looking at the smallness of his own stature, he's looking at the bigness of God. Faith sees differently. Same situation. All the Israelites and all of David's big brothers are looking through the eyes of the flesh, comparing themselves to the giant, and they're in fear. And David's comparing the giant to his God, and he's in faith. That's the difference. It's how you see. And faith sees through God's perspective, not our perspective. Okay, so that's the first main point, that faith sees differently. And that's why I'm doing this story, because I will show you all of these four different ways that faith is in action in the story in David's life. The second thing is that faith thinks differently. 
Faith is thinking differently. So the story goes on and it says that Saul called for David. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I'll do it. I'll take him on. No one's, no one's been stepping forward for 40 days, but I'm the guy. I'll take him on. And now Saul, who's looking through the eyes of the flesh, is seeing this, this young, enthusiastic teenage kid without any warrior training. And he says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You can't do that. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. He's the grand champion. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. And you're just a kid. You just, you got your shepherd shoes on still. You know, you have no armor. You got nothing. You don't know nothing. You know nothing, right? That's the idea. And David said to Saul, uh, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep for the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Listen to what David says. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Who's, who is David putting all the weight on to come through in this battle himself? No. He's saying, the Lord, the Lord helped me do this. The Lord helped me do that. And now because this giant, this guy has defied, defied God himself, God will help me take him down too. And his faith, he's thinking differently. He's not thinking about his power, his strength, or his lack of strength, or his lack of size, or his lack of experience. He's not thinking about that at all. He is thinking completely about God is going to take this guy down. He's going to use me because I see it. I see it, and now I think it. I know God has done this for me in the past, and I know God's going to do it for me again. God is the one that this giant's facing. He's not facing me. He's facing God. Woo! So he is thinking totally different. Isn't that awesome? His focus is on what God has done, what God can do, and what God will do. Not on himself, not on his lack of training, not on his lack of resources, not on his lack of strength, right? Not on his lack of armor or even weapons. He's only thinking about God. This giant is facing God. Who does he think he is? He has no idea what he's doing. He thinks he's a big, tall, strong dude. Well, yeah, if I was fighting him, I'd be afraid too, but I'm not fighting him. He, he's fighting God through me. Woo, that's faith. Faith thinks differently. Faith sees differently. Faith thinks differently. And faith speaks differently. What are you thinking right now? What is your mind filled with right now? Are you filled with God's thoughts about whatever's going on in your life, about whatever situations are happening, whatever giants are happening in your life, or what, whatever call that God has on you and it just seems too big for you? Well, you're right. It is. It is too big for you. But God is with you. And God, who has been there for you in the past, 
is with you now and will be with you in the future. And that's what faith thinks. Faith does not look at oneself and the lack of our abilities and the lack of our uh, resources, but faith is thinking about God and how big God is and what God is calling us to do. So I want to challenge you to begin to see what God has seen, right? And, and what perspective are you looking through and to think like God thinks. So the third one is faith speaks like God speaks. So Goliath, who was relying on his own strength, he was relying on his size, his armor, his armor bearer, his weapons, his experience, his track record, all about him. That's what Goliath was doing, and that was natural for him because he had always won. He was always the, the bully. He was always the, the king of the mountain, right? He's thinking about that, and he says this in verse 44. Am I a dog when he sees uh, David? When, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He thinks David's got, he's, David doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have, all he's got is a little sling. And he's just cursing him and says, come here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And Goliath is, is basically offended that they sent David to come down and fight him because he's a little boy. He looks at him. He's a little, little young guy. He's got no armor. He's got nothing. He's a, and he said, well, do you think I'm a dog? You're just going to come at me and hit me with a little stick, this little, little, this little punk here? And he is totally relying on himself, and he's filled with pride, filled with arrogance. And he's just like, come here, I'm going to just I'm gonna tear your body apart and feed it to the animals and the birds, right? So that's what he was saying. But the enemy is always going to try to degrade you, uh, put you down, disqualify you, curse you. Um, the enemy will always do that inter internally to your thoughts. Who do you think you are? Who, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're done for. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get the best of you, right? The enemy will always be speaking lies to you and to me. Jesus says that the devil, he is a liar. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's been lying and murdering. And when he speaks, he's speaking his native language. He's a deceiver and he's an accuser. And he will always be doing that towards you. But what I've said before and what I say again today is you always need to have the last word. Faith speaks. Faith speaks out against these thoughts, against these lies. Faith speaks out. And so David speaks back. Doesn't let Goliath have the last word. David, the faith that's overflowing in his heart is bubbling up and he speaks out. And this is what he says in verses 45 to 47. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. And David's like, you got physical stuff? Oh boy, but you have no idea what I'm coming against you with. I'm not coming against you with physical stuff. I'm coming against you with spiritual stuff. Okay, listen to what he says. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You hear what David's saying? He's not puffing himself up. He's not saying, oh, you're, you're going to get me? Well, I'm going to get you. He doesn't say that. He says, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the wild animals. He turned it around. Goliath said, I'm going to give your body to the birds and the animals. He's like, no, I'm going to give all y'all bodies to the birds and the animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And David, the faith is bubbling out of him, and he's saying, you think you've come against me, and you're coming against me with, with physical weapons, but you're not coming against me. You are coming against the Lord Almighty. You are a pipsqueak compared to my God. You're coming against the Lord Almighty, Almighty El Shaddai, the, the big honcho, the, 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 the king of the, the kings, the, the, one, the creator of the universe. That's who you're coming against. You have no chance. And David is speaking out faith in who? Not himself, but in God. He's not saying, I can do this, I can do this. He's not giving himself a pep talk. He's not trying to focus himself on, on some kind of uh, meditation or some sort of like put himself in a special place, you know, so he can have a superhuman, you know, response or something. He is not doing any of that. His faith is not in himself. His faith is in God. He is completely relying that God's going to do something. And God is with him and God is in him and God has shown him. He sees differently. He's thinking differently. And now he is speaking it out. He's speaking it out. And there's an overflow. God was invisible, but he was more powerful than Goliath, right? God was unheard, but his word was louder than that of the enemy. And the spiritual significance of God's presence, God's invisible hand, God's authority, and God's will was unperceived by Goliath and the Philistines and the Israelites and David's brothers, but not to David because David was filled with faith. His eyes were on God. His heart was filled with the knowledge of who God was and what was happening. He, he believed in God. He saw all of this differently, and he's calling on God to do what he knows God had put him there to do. Isn't that awesome? Faith in his heart overflowing. So what is your self-talk? Are you trying to, you know, give yourself a pep talk? Well, that's, that's relying on yourself. Your self-talk really needs to mirror what God's already saying and doing that he wants to do. Are we proclaiming God's promises and relying on God? What has God already said that he wants to do? That's what our self-talk should be about what God is doing and what God has said and what God wants to do. Not what we're trying to do, but what God is doing. That's what faith does. Faith speaks out God's promises, speaks out God's word, speaks out faith in him, reliance on him, not ourselves. And then finally, faith acts differently. While all the Israelites were running away from Goliath <laughs> because their eyes were, their perspective was they were seen through their eyes, right? They weren't thinking like God was thinking. They weren't speaking like God you know, faith in God. They were all filled with fear and they're running from Goliath. David does just the opposite. He runs to Goliath. The faith in him is, is propelling him 
forward to, to just do what God has shown him to do. Take that giant down. Who does he think he is? He's coming against God. Man, it was time to get rid of this guy, right? And so faith compels David while everybody's running away. David is running to him. <laughs> He's not sheepishly like, oh boy, what did I get myself into? No, no, no. His eyes are on the prize, filled with faith. His feet start moving and he starts running. He grabs five stones out of this creek bed and he starts going to the battle. He is ready because he knows it's not him. It is God in him. That's what faith thinks about and sees and speaks. And it says here in verses 48 to 50, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he came up to Goliath, took his sword out of its scabbard and chopped his head off. And, and that's when God began to rout the Philistine enemy. And faith was sparked and aroused in the Israelite army. Instead of running, they all turned and started chasing, started chasing the enemy, started defeating the enemy. And God gave them a great victory that day. While the Israelites were fleeing in fear from Goliath, David ran quickly toward the battle line. David acted out of his faith Right? And with what God had given him, and he gave what God had given him. He had a sling and he grabbed some stones, right? And he used what God had already put in his hand. And when he did that, God blessed it and won the battle for him. What are you doing? What are you making happen in your life? You know, what are you, how are you stepping out in faith? Are you using what God has already put into your hand? So that's the idea of faith. I just want to just give a couple of other thoughts here as we wrap this up. Faith is believing in God above the circumstances. Faith is believing in God above the circumstances. Faith is knowing God is more powerful than the situation. God is more powerful than what we see or perceive. Faith is boldly, boldly stepping out, knowing God will show up knowing that God will show up. It's just moving forward, depending on God to show up and do what only he can do. And faith is fearlessly depending on God to do his part. Let me give you an example of things that, um, you know, that faith doesn't look like. Anytime we're looking at things through our perspective instead of through God's, that's not faith. We're looking, well, I can't do that because I don't have this. And well, I'm not big enough for that or I don't know enough to do this. Okay, that's not faith. And the, the Bible says the righteous live by faith. So that's not how we do it. We don't live like that. We don't think like that. Right? The second thing is anytime we're relying on our own resources, our own insights, our own experiences, instead of on God's, that's not faith. Sometimes we might feel like, you know what? I am qualified. You know what? I've read this book. You know what? I have this degree. Well, I can do this. Uh-oh, that's not good either. That's not faith. You're relying on yourself. No, that's not going to work. We live by faith, trusting in God in everything. Sometimes we might not feel qualified. Doesn't matter. Sometimes we might feel qualified. That doesn't matter. <laughs> we live by faith. Finally, anytime we're thinking about our own ability, our own strength instead of God's, that's just not faith. 
We can't live that way. So join God's story. What is God doing? Do that. What is God saying? Do say that. Right? Let's live by faith. A couple quick reminders of some other stories in the Bible. In Hebrews 11, we read that Noah spent a hundred years building an ark in a dry, landlocked area that seemed to the natural perspective an impossibility for this boat to even float. But he did what God said to do. He saw something that was not visible in the physical, and God used him to, to save his family. Abraham followed the call of God, even though he did not know where he was going. He left his home, his family, and all he knew behind to follow and trust in God. He was filled with faith. Daniel continued to practice his faith in spite of life-threatening persecution. And God spared his life from the ferocious lions and then fed his enemies for breakfast to those very same lions. But Daniel did not waver in his faith. He trusted in God. He put God at the center of his giant, his giant problem, his giant situation. Of course, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood courageous before the king and refused to bow to his statue, the idol. And their faith compelled them to take action, and they were willing to die uh, for their conviction. But Jesus showed up in that fire and delivered them as a witness that God is the one who always gets the last word, right? Our life belongs to God. Whether we live or die, we belong to God. And it's God's say, not a giant say, not the problem say, not the circumstances say. Our faith is in God. There's a woman, Matthew 9, who uh, had an issue of, of bleeding uh, for 13 years. And she held on to the promise of God. And she began to speak it out. And she said, if I could just touch him, if I can just touch him, I know I will be healed. So she, she's got the promise of God. She's seen that she can be healed. She's saying that she can be healed. And she reaches out and touches Jesus. And Jesus turns and he says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. There's a blind man in Mark chapter 10 who's shouting out to Jesus. He heard he was passing by. He couldn't see him, but he could hear the commotion. And he's screaming, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Everybody around him, quiet, shh. Be quiet. Stop yelling. Stop screaming. The Bible says instead of being quiet, he got even louder. Jesus, help me. Have mercy on me. Jesus. And finally, he got Jesus' attention. Someone said, hey, Jesus is calling for you. And he jumps up. And Jesus says, what do you want? He says, I want to see. He speaks it out. He knows that Jesus can give him sight. His faith is in him. And he says, I want to see and Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Your faith, you saw, you believed, you, you did, took action, and, and now, now your faith has resulted in your healing. Isn't that awesome? There was a sinful woman who uh, crashed a party of a Pharisee named Simon. She comes into this party. She anoints Jesus' feet. Um, with perfume, but first she's crying. Her tears are wetting his feet. She takes her hair and she washes his feet. Then she's kissing his feet and then she pours perfume on his feet. And the, and the Pharisee is all offended. Oh man, if Jesus knew who this woman was, that she's such a, 
Uh, she's got a reputation. She's a sinner. She's a really prolific sinner. If he knew who she was, he wouldn't be having her touch him at all. And then Jesus challenges him with a story and basically says, Simon, I came into your house and you didn't wash my feet. You didn't give me a kiss. You, you didn't do anything. And she comes in here and she's crying and she's washing my feet with her tears, with her hair. Kissing, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since she came here, putting precious perfume upon me. You know, and he says, to whom much is um, forgiven, then there is much love. And she loved Jesus because she was forgiven of so much. But he turned to her and he said to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. That, that was a huge deal for her. That meant she was forgiven of her sins. She was washed clean as she was washing the feet of Jesus. Her soul was being washed of sin. And she was being healed. She was being saved. And the mercy of Jesus was washing her clean from all of her mistakes and all the condemnation and the guilt and the shame was just taken away from her. And it was her faith that saved her. She was begging, basically, in all those actions, she was coming to Jesus, trusting in Him, recognizing Him as the Messiah. Isn't that beautiful? The centurion in Luke chapter 7 had a, a sick servant. So he sent elders and friends to Jesus, and his faith compelled him to go get word to Jesus. And, he, and they said to Jesus, he says, look, just say the word. And he knows that his servant will be healed. You don't even have to show up. He didn't feel worthy enough to even come into your presence. He doesn't want to bother you at all. Just say the word. He knows if you just say the word, his servant will be healed. And Jesus said, wow, I'm impressed. I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. And at that moment, the servant was healed. Isn't that awesome? He says, I tell you, Jesus, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Faith. Faith. The faith of the centurion. And in Romans, again, says that the righteous will live by faith. Many others, you know, in, in the history of our world have died in faith. Right? Eleven, uh, ten out of the eleven apostles uh, were martyred for their faith in Jesus. And so the Bible says that we live, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, right, we belong to the Lord. So our faith is not dependent on will we live or die. Our faith is that God is with us. Our life belongs to Him. And we have eternity with Him forever. Whatever God chooses to do in this world with our life, we are going to live it by faith. We're going to give it to God. We're going to trust in Him. We're going to face every giant with God as our backer, right? With God as the one who leads us. And whatever comes, life or death, we will live in faith. We will die in faith because we belong to the Lord. As I finish this, just want to remind you, when we compare our problem to ourselves, it's big. It's insurmountable. We will fall short. We will lack. We will be filled with fear, anxiety, stress. But when we compare our problem to God, our problem gets really small. And we have courage and we have conviction. And our faith propels us forward to take on that giant, to take on that issue or situation or problem. We're filled with courage, confidence. We're ready to act. So in summary, don't compare yourself to your giant. 
Compare your giant to God. Whatever's going on in your life right now, take yourself out of the equation. Put God in there instead and have faith arise within your heart and then do whatever God's calling you to do because faith acts differently. Faith in God will compel you forward to take on those giants with confidence that God is battling for you. You are not alone. It's not up to your own strength. It's not up to your own insight. It's not up to your experiences or your resources. It's God's. Take yourself out. Put God in. Let God do the battle for you. Faith is looking at things through God's eyes and acting accordingly. Let me pray. God, I just thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful and we turn our attention to you. And I pray for my friend right now listening, watching. God, whatever the issue is right now in their life, whatever they see as a giant or a situation that they fall short in measuring up against, God, I just pray that my friend and I, we just take ourselves out of that and put you in that place. And Lord, that you would lead us and you would guide us and we would see with great clarity what you want to be done in this situation. And our faith and our hope is in you. Lord, I think that we are not the ones that have to battle. We're not the ones that are supposed to try to overcome all these saints. You are the overcomer. You are the one who leads us in victory. And our eyes are on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You are the one who leads us in triumph. And our faith is in you. Lead us and guide us, God. Bring victory to my friend. Bring wisdom and, and grace and power and strength and insight and everything that they need. Let their faith be in you. And we just give it all to you today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I hope this message has been a blessing to you. Um, and let me just end with the blessing of the Lord upon you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen.